0: I don't know, it may just be me, but uh, I really got a feeling like we could catch fire and have a great season, huh?
1: Welcome to Season 7 of the Raise Your Game Show, a podcast that unpacks proven principles and actionable strategies for high performance in sports and business. And now, here is your host, a performance coach, keynote speaker, and the author of Raise Your Game, Alan Stein, Jr. Do you know who I am?
0: No, I, I can't say that I do.
1: I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me.
0: Hey, 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 thank you so much for tuning in and investing your attention with me. In today's episode, I get reunited with my friend and colleague, Ryan Estes. Ryan is one of the most in-demand keynote speakers in the game. Ryan is a masterful storyteller and inspires audiences with practical insight, plenty of energy, and powerful, relevant lessons that resonate long after the event ends. Attendees walk away with a specific plan for applying new ideas once they get back to work. His writing has been featured in Forbes, Inc., Fast Company, and Entrepreneur Magazines. His clients include AT&T, Motorola, MasterCard, Adobe, Mass Mutual, and the MBA. Check out RyanEstis.com for more, as well as follow him on Instagram, at Ryan I sure hope you enjoy my conversation with Ryan Estes.
1: You know, one of the things that I've always really admired
0: and respected about you was you have this, this sense of gratitude. You, you seem like a guy that appreciates the things that are in your life, and I, I know how hard you work. I know what you do to create those opportunities, but you don't appear to take them for granted. And I know I don't know you on a super deep level, but it seems like gratitude is important in your life. And even now in this conversation, I mean, at the moment you have COVID and yet you're still appreciative of what you have with your team and that you can make business continue to go. So talk to me a little bit about the role gratitude plays in your life and in your business and in your mindset
1: yeah so i i would say gratitude has played an ever-increasing role in in my life and to my mindset so we can we can start with the present and then unwind that a little bit but so you mentioned yeah i have covid uh i, I would tell you i am so fortunate and i feel so deeply grateful here i sit in a beautiful loft with a view of downtown minneapolis i'm able to do my work generate revenue I've got people that care about me, they're checking in every day, I'm able to get resources like food, and I'm under the great care of a doctor who I'm going to talk to virtually in a couple of hours. In comparison, I am so fortunate, and I am, you know, the other, the light at the end of the tunnel of this is near, and I'm going to be fine. This could have gone 19 different ways, so to be anything but grateful, it, it, you know, I just, that's my, that's my perspective. Yeah, but gratitude is a, it's a perspective you can cultivate. I mean, I've, I've learned more about gratitude, I would say, in the last three or four years. And as someone who is trying to strive and who is trying to achieve and who probably has a bit of a perfectionist tendency, learning actually how to pause and reflect in gratitude for a moment, I actually think really evolved my kind of holistic perspective, I'll say. So... Um, it's never too far away, but this is one of the journals that I like to use. It's the five minute journal and and it's a framework where each morning you kind of reflect on or list three things you can be grateful for. And just that, you know, having that little bit of extra presence and reflection, I mean, all things considered, I lead a pretty blessed, privileged life. And even in this moment with the challenges, I'm pretty lucky. So that's, and that's how I look at it.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, I like that you kind of have a gratitude practice. Like it's it's something that you get repetition in. You know, just like you do when you rehearse your keynotes. I mean, you know, the the more reps you get in, the better you get at the craft of speaking. So if you want to grow some abundance and have more gratitude, then you have to practice showing appreciation. So I I love that. Um, <clears throat> you also strike me as someone that doesn't get complacent or stagnant. That you've you've I mean, just looking through your bio and and what I know about you, I mean, your list of accomplishments and clients you've had is incredibly impressive, but you also strike me as someone that's constantly trying to innovate and tinker and do new stuff. Uh, Even you describing that while most people are simply doing a Zoom call, you're bringing in different camera angles and a producer and and a, a whiteboard and all sorts of stuff. So talk to me about what you do to always stay fresh and to never get stagnant or complacent.
1: Yeah, complacency is an enemy. And so I, I think, um, and I, I've experienced it in my own professional career, um, just what happens inside a business or an organization that does get complacent or stagnant or, or, or is, isn't willing to take risks or fears failure. So I, you know, I'm a fan of frameworks. I have a framework for this, right? And I'm, I'm actually writing about it. My newsletter this Sunday I think the title of it is confront your fear of failure by conducting little experiments. And so my philosophy is this, we always need to be pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone into what I call the learning lane, where we're, we're taking intelligent risks, we're making some reasonable investments, we're experimenting. And, and the goal of the experiment isn't necessarily a big breakthrough success, but it's to get feedback or information so we can iterate forward. I, I believe sex, success is uh, incremental, it's iterative. You know, you may, I'm looking to make progress each and every day. So even the, the idea of this home studio, it, it was iterative. It was like, okay, we're not gonna be speaking live. What are we gonna do? There's a virtual opportunity. We're not really sure what that is. We haven't played in that space aggressively, but let's start to experiment. What are we gonna do? How would that look? Who does it well? And then we start to test, right? So I had, I developed relationships with two big production studios. I went and I shot events there and spent a bunch of money and said, okay, that, that model's probably not gonna work for this, but what could we do in my home? Could we turn my office into a studio and what would that look like? And who could produce our shows? And and we just started down this path of iterating forward. So. I'm always trying to conduct what I would call three little experiments in my business and framing them as experiments really helps me manage and mitigate my fear of failure. It's like, Oh, that we blew that, that was a disaster, but it was just one of our experiments. What did we learn and how are we going to take that lesson and iterate forward? So that that's kind of my framework for not getting complacent, comfortable or bored and, and confronting my own risk tolerance and fear of failure.
0: I love that. And, and, and I assume you have the same framework or at least something similar in, in your personal life because uh, just to remind you in case you don't remember. So uh, I had heard you on Jane Atkinson's podcast. We had never met at this point and, and really loved your perspective and what you had to say. And then I kind of put some feelers out and asked who are some of the speakers that have really great websites because I needed to do a website refresh and someone sent me your site and the, both of those things happened in like 48 hours. So I, I started online stalking you and checking your stuff out and just blown away with, with your level of professionalism. And then not that long after that, uh, we're both at the Aubrey Marcus weekend right. in LA, which is basically about personal development and personal growth and avoiding personal stagnation. So just the fact that I saw you at something like that yeah, leads yeah. me to believe you're always tinkering and iterating uh, with your, yourself, not even just your business.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know it. They're they're integrated, right? So I I sort of have the same approach or framework I would say in and around my personal life, and you know, probably like a lot of people, just dealing with your own kind of personal challenges. You know, I'm I'm a growth seeker. Like I I wanted more. I had an appetite or a hunger, and um it, and it probably goes way back to my early twenties. I uh, a motivational speaker, Jim Rohn, totally changed my life. I I was. I was lost. I had graduated from college, partied four years away, got an entry-level sales job, didn't know what the hell I was doing. Literally by accident, wound up at a Jim Rohn seminar, and I, I just—it it just hit me. It was like one of those seminal, defining moments, and it was like boom. And he sent me at like a rocket ship down this other path. And ever since then, I've—I've I've been into it, right? Almost kind of addicted to, you know, learning, growth, self-improvement. And so, you know, when I see things outside of me that I think, you know, might benefit or might be interesting to experience, like the seminar we attended, I'm in. And I, I love immersive learning. I love to kind of get out of my normal environment and routine and, and set everything I know and what's comfortable me aside for a few days and then go all in on a, a concept to a construct. So I love retreats and seminars, like the thing we did um, it, and I, I just think it's a, it's a deeper, more kind of interesting way to take in information and learn. Obviously, we're not doing it now, but, you know, I've been to, to eight-day digital detox retreats. I did Tony Robbins' Walk Across Fire. You and I did the Aubrey thing. And, you know, when, when it's safe again, I'll be back out there. You know, I think, I think the best teachers have to remain students. So, you know, I consider myself a student first. And, uh, you know, I, I coach myself. And then if some of those ideas resonate with people in my community or audience, that's great too.
0: What are some of the pivots you've made during the pandemic, since you haven't been able to attend in-person immersive workshops, you know, are you, are you doing some online stuff? Are you reading more? Are you?
1: Yeah, I would say reading more, reading more, listening more. I, I watch, um, I watch podcasts every night, so I ironically i was watching one of aubrey's last night at paul chack and it was great but you know so i i um i've kind of foregone television and i'm shifted over to youtube and so i'd say an hour or two every night i'm in school um, and particularly now i haven't been able to go outside uh, or have been well um, so th- so there's that second thing is i've evolved our content a ton um, on this topic of wellness and personal growth, we came up with a whole new wellness webinar series, four installments, two brand new keynotes around the way forward, one focused on leadership, one focused on sales. But that, that work required me to be very immersive in research. And so, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm, you know, half of this stuff is for me, right? Like I'm, I'm creating content that I need, but then I'm going to be able to share it with somebody else and then I think I mentioned to you, I, I wrote a book too. So all, all of the time and all of that work and all of that research has provided an incredible foundation for some learning and growth through this unusual period of time. And then of course we had to figure out how to turn a live event business into a virtual event business. So that was fun.
0: Yeah, that's that was the ultimate pivot for sure. That was the
1: ultimate pivot for sure. I, I love that. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report.
0: I've spent the last two months reflecting on ways that I can better serve you. As a professional keynote speaker, author, and content creator, my goal is to add as much value as possible to you personally and professionally, to help you maximize your performance individually and organizationally. To do so most effectively, I've decided to shift my focus away from traditional social media. While I will continue to post on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, I'm reserving my best stuff and my newest stuff exclusively for this podcast my full time out email newsletter and my youtube channel i recommend you subscribe to all three so you don't miss a thing and i give you my word every episode of this show every email newsletter and every video on youtube will help you and your team raise your game you can subscribe to this show in whatever platform you prefer you can join my email tribe at allensteinjr.com And you can subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash Alan Stein, Jr. I hope you decide to join the movement. Uh, Talk to me on this concept of kind of growth and development. Um, uh, Do you have any mentors or do you mentor anyone else? And do you kind of have an inner circle or, and if you use different terminology than mentor and inner circle, please use uh,
1: uh, How do those uh, things play a role in your life? They play a huge. They play a huge role in my life. So I'm mentoring two people formally right now. So um, because they asked and they were kind of connected to me loosely. They're both here in Minneapolis, but you know. And then and then I'm I'm someone in in my inner circle of friends. I, there, there's a group of us that I would say are equally committed to growth. Um, a couple of guys that are speakers that I'm really really close with. And then just a couple of dear friends, my brother, who's two years younger, one of my closest friends, we're constantly challenging each other, pushing each other, and and so evolving in community. I think, as you well know, I mean that's why you go to a retreat, right? It's like it's such a better way to do it. But I'm also someone that um, I'm willing to invest in myself. So and, and I'll give you just a kind of a COVID example when. When I realized we were going to be in lockdown in March and and the gyms and the health clubs were cl- closing, you know, like you, I'm, I'm into fitness and I take care of myself, but I, I really wanted to dial it up to the next level. I thought, okay, I'm not going to be going to the gym. I've got to do something. What can I do? And so I made an investment. I hired a trainer. He got happens to be a good friend of mine, but you know, we, we made a commitment and we've in, until just the last two weeks, since I've haven't been well, we, we were working out six days a week and it was totally under his su- supervision and care. And that was another big breakthrough for me. So, you know, finding people that are experts, coaches, um, I'm, I'm just a big believer in that. I'll accelerate my trajectory of growth in an area of interest if I get expertise around me. And so I'm the first one to hire a therapist, hire a coach, go to a retreat, find an expert, you know, just because it propels me forward faster. So,
0: And you mentioned that you kind of formally mentor uh, two folks at present. Um, What what does that look like? Just, just kind of, because what interests me is the the formal component to what you just said. So it sounds like there's some structure behind it and it's not just, hey, whenever yeah, the, you need me, let's jump on a call. So what does those relationships look like?
1: Yeah, so the, the one the one is, the most organized one is, um, I, I wrote an article about having a personal board of directors, yep. which is another thing that I do, right? I have these kind of eight people that I've identified. We formalize the relationship. I can reach out to them on a quarterly basis, just really as a sounding board, or if I'm confronted with a difficult decision or if they have some expertise that I lack and so um, I, I've structured that advisory board well, and then I and then I shared it with my community. Well, somebody that was I was was an acquaintance of mine, he loved the idea, decided to formalize his own advisory board, and he targeted me as one of the, the advisors. So he reached out and explained the background, the genesis, and then made the ask. and I you know what? I was flattered and I accepted and And so we we uh, convene either virtually or we have met in person because he's in Minneapolis too safely. But, um, you know, once a month and and there's some reciprocity. He's got some areas of expertise that I don't have. And I'm helping guide and shape some things that he's interested in. And so it's kind of a mutually beneficial, reciprocal exchange and actually and through it. Um, we were acquaintances at the onset, but through this, we've become really good friends. he so will be in my life for the rest of my life. So, uh, and I'm excited for where he's going. He's pointed in the right direction. So that that's what that sort of looks like. Uh,
0: I, I love that. Cause I, and I also like what you said earlier about kind of the, uh, the teacher needs to always be a student. And I think the same thing from a mentorship standpoint, we can actually sharpen our swords a lot by helping others and teaching others. Uh, because it keeps us sharp on the things that, that we need to be doing on a regular basis. So I, I love that you have, you have those relationships. The, the last thing I want to ask you about, uh, kind of from a reinvention standpoint, well before I knew you, I guess you were kind of an ad executive in the corporate space before you made this leap over to being a world-renowned keynote speaker, which I think was nine or 10 years ago, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, what made that very distinct pivot slash reinvention for you?
1: Yeah, I would say my, my reinvention moment arrived when the pain of continuing to do what I was doing, the pain of saying became greater than my fear of change. And I abruptly left the ad agency where I was an executive. I had a pretty good, secure job. I'd worked there for 15 years. I was running revenue for a pretty large organization. So, uh, But the Great Recession hit and uh, it really put some strain on that entire category, but also our company. We, we made some missteps, um, and, I, and I just, I remember in January 2009, I thought, this is the sweet spot of my career. I'm not running this sideways for the next five or 10 years, and we, we were announcing another round of layoffs. Our CEO called me talked to me about my role responsibility, and um, it was it. Uh, On a Wednesday night, plan layoffs were Friday, Thursday at 7 a.m. I called them and I said, I'd like to be in that layoff. I'm out. And that was it. I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have a website. I didn't, hadn't been, you know, I'd been doing some speaking in my industry and had thought about it, but this was that moment. And so um, they put me in the layoff and I got a little severance and I was off and running. and, And that was it. And, you know, it was a big leap of faith, but it was just something I just, I had to confront myself. I knew in that moment it was a defining one it's like if you don't do this now you're never gonna do it you're gonna because it's comfortable to ride this out and and it was that it was that moment in time that thrust me into the unknown it was challenging but um i've never looked back e- even if it even if it wouldn't have worked out just the ability to confront myself to take the risk for who i became not anything i've achieved it was all it was all worth it so um, taking that thing off the shelf that you dream about, you know, that's a that's a big moment. I didn't do it at probably the the best econ- in the best economic climate, but you know, in hindsight it was a it was the right time for me. So uh yeah. And I think there are parallels to this moment now, you know, for the people that are sitting there saying the world's falling apart and I realizing I'm not on the right path or I don't have the right plan in place, or I, there's something else calling me in my heart. This is a moment to take stock and some inventory and maybe a deep breath. And because, you know, the next 10 years will go by like that. Yeah, they sure will. So uh, this will be the last question. Then what,
0: what do you, what is kind of your guiding force? Do you use, uh, happiness and and fulfillment, or as I know you mentioned kind of a calling from your heart, like, so you were unhappy as you were ending your ad executive run and you what? wanted to jump into something that felt more purpose-driven. You, you appear to love what you're doing now, but what navigates you for the next 20, 25 years? Yeah, so so it's,
1: so it's, so it's not happiness. Okay. It's not, it, it, I would, I would describe it more as more as meaning, meaning or fulfillment. Ah, I like that uh, the, the, because I think those happiness is fleeting right like you know I'm I'm probably not happy today but you know it's if I'm being guided by purpose and I and I think um it, you know I feel that you know my mission I'm, I'm serving a mission that's greater than me and I'm contributing to something that that I I'm passionate about I care about and I'm doing it with and for people that I love um I I think to me um that that approach um, is important. You know, I, I read a great book during COVID um, by Father Richard Rohr, and I just, the title, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the title wrong. It's, just, it's, just, it's on the tip of my tongue. I just have COVID brains. So, um, but Father, um, Father Richard Rohr, his last book, it was a bestseller. What it really talks about is kind of the, the, the two halves of life, and as you get into your second half of life, if you can go on your further journey, if you can kind of look inside yourself and really be honest with yourself about what you want your life to be, if you give yourself that space and start to cultivate that greater awareness, it can really set you on this trajectory of mission and service and things that are that are meaningful. So checking in with myself to say, hey, am I, am I on that path toward meaning? How does this feel? And how does this feel in my body? is sort of a compass that guides a lot of my decision making. And then when you get that kind of vision and mission stuff down, you know that's a guardrail against you know going off on some tangent or you're just like, no, I'm this is where I'm moving. So that's kind of how I frame it up. Falling Upward, Falling Upward. I think that's the title. of
0: it. Okay, I like that. And I was gonna say, do you think the reason, and, and I kind of consider myself on my second half, I'm 44 years yeah. old, so it should be around halftime. Um, yep. You think the reason most of us don't do that when we're younger is we're kind of chasing the wrong things. We're we're kind of chasing, you know, the more surface level, and uh, uh, as opposed to being drilled down into meaning. And I guess some of that just comes with life experience.
1: Yes, and and you know what what he does brilliantly and beautifully in this book is he he acknowledges that that kind of arc in life. Is, is totally reasonable and probably even in some degrees important. You know, it's kind of um, you're up that first mountain in that first phase of your life. It's, if there's, there's ego and you're creating an identity and maybe a structure, a container that can create safety for you. And if you, if you have a family for your family and so you're, you're striving and you're achieving and then at some point on that journey, you either get to a top of a mountain you don't want to be on anymore, which sort of happened to me, or you fall off, right? And, and I've fallen off too, you know, that could be health crisis, divorce, or end of a second, second relationship, the loss of a parent, you know, these, these things happen, these seminal moments happen, and it causes you to question things. And I I think, I think at that point, you know, going up the first hill to a degree, it's a good exercise because it creates something. And if you're fortunate enough that you did that, then you have the luxury of asking yourself the further question, what's the rest of this going to be about? And I'm not going to keep running up that first hill endlessly because that's not the answer to it. There's something bigger. And that's I, and really that that's that that's why that book resonated. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go up my second mountain, and it's not gonna be about the things that the first mountain were about. Grateful for the experience there, grateful for the climb, learned a lot about myself there. Yes. But now I'm go, now I'm going up, and you know you you become more I think of who you really are on that second journey. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
0: Do you have an iPhone or an iPad? Do you use the new social platform Clubhouse? Do you find yourself mesmerized by the hypnotic sound of my silky, sexy voice? If you answered yes to these questions, do me a favor right now, hit pause, open up your Clubhouse app, and follow me at Alan Stein Jr. I host a room called The Winner's Mindset a few times per week. My colleagues and I stimulate discussion and answer your questions on anything relating to increasing productivity, improving preparation, and maximizing performance for you and your team. These sessions are content heavy, so make sure you bring a notepad. So if you'd like to raise your game, share a tip, or ask a question, please join me on Clubhouse. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for investing your time with us. I hope this really helped you raise your game. If it did, would you be kind enough to do me a favor? As soon as you hit stop, will you please leave an online rating and review? Feel free to give it five stars and say something like this.
1: That was awesome.